by analogy, uh, we have in in the course of his, church history raised uh, Cubs fans and not Red Sox fans. You better yeah I better explain okay. what you mean with right, some right, charity right. here. Okay, okay. Welcome to Christ in All Things, a conversation about meaning and purpose. It's based on a verse from the Bible, Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, which says, Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Christ in All Things is a listening ear into conversations about receiving and giving the love and hope of Christ. These conversations are an invitation, because as much as you'll hear, and as much as we enjoy having them, Digital media operates from a distance, and that's not what's best for us, with God or with one another. So, thanks for listening. And if you're in the neighborhood, we invite you to participate in person in the life that finds its epicenter at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Welcome back to Christ in All Things. I'm Pastor Lance O'Donnell. I'm Pastor Jason Schockman. And we are back for part two of our series of conversations regarding Dr. John Kleinig's book, Wonderfully Made, A Protestant Theology of the Body. If you haven't, uh, if you didn't listen to part one, you may want to go back to that. And what we're, what we're doing here, and this was Pastor Schockman's idea, and I think it was a great one, because we, we talked about how to handle this and actually recorded an episode which attempted to go through a Bible study that we did at St. Paul's last year. Which really functions much better in person, in conversation with Bibles open, and didn't really work so well for the podcast. So, Pastor Shockman had the idea that we'd, we'd go through the book and read a quotation here and there, and then talk about it. And what we what we're doing at the beginning of these conversations is reading a, a couple more extensive quotations, and we're really we're going to read the first part of Dr. Clagg's introduction in full. The first part of that was in episode one of their part one of this of this series. And now we're going to read part two. Uh, but we're going to begin with, because wonderfully made the book, begins with a psalm, an invocation in the psalm, and then a confession of faith. God has made us his people through our baptism into Christ, living together in trust and hope, we confess our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And that's from page, that's from page Roman numeral 14 in Wonderfully Made. And now we're going to turn, we're going to pick up from where we left off, on page on page three of the book, and I'll do the first paragraph here, 
and then we're going to read this section and then talk about it. My body is equally important for my life as a Christian. Just as I live my entire earthly life in my human family, my spiritual life in God's family involves my body from its early beginnings to its final heavenly destination. My life in Christ is based on a physical event, my baptism, the washing of physical water accompanied by the speaking of certain words joined my body with the body of the risen Lord Jesus, just as the rite of marriage joined my body to my wife's. Jesus now interacts with me physically with his spoken word that I hear with my physical ears, his audible word that animates me with his Holy Spirit and makes me a saint. Jesus also gives himself to me physically in his Holy Supper, there I receive his life-giving body and blood with my mouth and in my whole body. Through his body and blood, he unites me physically and spiritually with himself and all other Christians. He also calls and equips me to serve him bodily, that is, with my actual body and its individual members. So paradoxically, my spiritual life, the life that is created and sustained by the Holy Spirit, is always lived in the body. It does not take me away from my body or occur apart from it. Rather, it takes me ever further and deeper into bodily life and into fuller embodiment as human as a human being. It makes me at home in my body as I live here on earth. All that makes scant sense, oh sorry, all that makes scant sense unless we understand the spiritual life in biblical terms. The biblical understanding of human spirituality differs radically from views commonly and rather vaguely held. Most people see the spiritual as the opposite of the physical and material. Thus, the human spirit is identified either with the conscious mind and its thoughts, emotions, and self-awarenesses, or with the immaterial soul, the disembodied spirit of every living person. As such, it can exist and works best apart from the body. In contrast, the biblical view is that what is spiritual has to do with the Holy Spirit. My spirit is what makes me a person rather than a thing or an animal, a living person animated by the Holy Spirit, the spirit that gives personal life to every human soul and eternal life to every believer. The Holy Spirit makes us and our deeds spiritual through faith in Jesus Christ. As Martin Luther says, the spirit is whatever is done in us through the spirit. Since the spiritual life is produced by the Holy Spirit for people with bodies, Christian spirituality is embodied piety. We human beings are not just spirits like the angels, nor animated bodies like the animals, but are embodied spirits, or if you will, spiritual bodies. We don't just have bodies, we are bodies. They are not just what we are as people, but an essential part of who we are. 
That is why the body is so important. It has been designed to be a temple of the Holy Spirit rather than an amusement park. Like the human mind, it is meant to live in harmony with God and His Holy Spirit. It was created for eternal life with God, not merely temporal life on earth. No matter how damaged it may actually be, every human body is designed for perfection in eternity. That's, this is great. Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that, that is gold. And this whole section, the, the first part of the book was important because it set, it set the stage in, in the reality in which we live, in, in that we don't pay too much attention to our bodies until something goes wrong or something is amiss in, in some way. And then, you know, then we start to pay attention and we, and then, and then we, we try and seize control and we, you know, there are bodies. And, yeah. But what the Christian faith says is that, well, even natural law would say our bodies are given. You know, we don't, we don't make our bodies. We, we receive them. And what we know by faith is that our bodies are meant for eternity. And, and this, I mean, this is, when you said this is gold, this is why as a guy whose body is breaking down maybe more rapidly than other people my age, uh, I am ready. I am looking forward to, I am praying relentlessly for the return of Christ, for the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting, as Romans would say it, the revelation of the sons of God, the perfection of our bodies. Right? Even for those of you who might be listening for whom that seems a little far-fetched at this point, we'll get back to there in, in, in more depth. But listen to this last sentence again. Yeah. Of the, this is, so this is the end of the, the opening section of Dr. Kleinig's introduction, the very last sentence. No matter how damaged it may actually be, every human body is designed for perfection in eternity. You know, we see, we see our bodies, and we talked about this at the end of episode one, where, you know, we, ex- we experience imperfection in some way, shape, or form, either through our own, broken, through our own brokenness or, or maybe through what we talked about, people trying to use us. Or even through our own uh, lack of perception of our brokenness, <laughs> right? Where we think, yeah, I'm good, and that's kind of how I frame the world. We don't see the eternal implication of this body we've been given very uh, readily. You know, a little further on, in this first chapter, Dr. Kleinig is going to talk about why he wrote this book. And it's one of the things that particularly struck me is in the, in, in the Christian world, we are, we are often seen as you know, a great big giant buzzkill saying no to everything. Sticks in the mud. What we do because we are people captured as it were by the scriptures and, and faith in, 
the life and forgiveness that is ours through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we rejoice in these bodies, understanding, and this is profoundly different than the world, and something that most Christians, at least in the West, that I know, we really have to come to terms with this. We are not just souls mm. with a body. Or as he says in the section, you know, we're not just spirits like the angels or, or just, we are embodied souls. Our bodies are an essential part of who we are. And that's actually not what the world really teaches or practices, if it believes anything about the soul at all. No, it doesn't. Uh, and there's all kinds of implications that we'll get into as we get quotes from later chapters. Um, the biggest uh, thing that we fail to recognize is that, uh, is that the eternal implication means you're more than the sum of your parts right now. <laughs> and depending on how those parts are functioning, it carries on a greater importance. One, two, three. Come, Lord Jesus. It never works, which I do that regularly, right? If, if you've spent any time listening to the podcast or hanging out with, with me here at 210 uh, East Pleasant Street, you've heard me count down with anticipation the return of Christ. Because Jesus promises someday no. that he will return in the body. Yes. Because he is raised from the dead in the body. And the promise is, I will raise you up on the last day. And so the, the church throughout time has looked forward to and longed for the return of Christ, the revelation of the sons of God, the redemption of our bodies. And, and my sense is that um, the early church, the, the first hundred years of the church, had such a keen uh, anticipation of the return of Christ. They thought he was coming in their lifetime. And so it was almost as if they stood on tiptoes with bated breath, trying to look over the horizon to see the return of Christ. And this is, this is where early church, your, your reference to the early church is help is important here. Cause for a lot of reasons, in, we're Lutherans yep. and we come, you know, we come at this from a Lutheran perspective and, and for for Lutherans, we're we're deeply molded by the question of how do we stand before God yeah. and how can a sinner be saved? Yeah, and 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 thus forgiveness is the is the church is the teaching the free gift of forgiveness is the is the teaching upon which the right. church stands or falls. Right, but I think the question of our day is not that. Right, uh, the question of our day, I think, is who am I? And beyond even who am I is what does it mean to be human? And, and this is where, and it's not that the, the justification, as we call it, the, the forgiveness question is unimportant. It is, it or, is remains central, it, but yeah. in the, well, and yeah, not, not but, but, but and. and the, in the early years of the Christian church, the, the battle, if we want to call it that the theological battle was about the divinity that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. Yeah. And early Christological controversies centered around that. And it's one of the reasons that we have the thing with which we began this episode, the, the Apostles' Creed. creed. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, what, the, what the creed does 
is, you know, creeds serve essentially two functions. They creeds exist to our listeners to, to defend the church or the faith against the Christian faith against error, but they also serve to teach the faith. And and a creed is simply a summary of the Christian faith drawn from the scriptures. Right. And, um, a pretty dense, a pretty dense summary. And, and in that summary, we confess it week in and week out. I believe in the Holy Christian Church or Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and, and then the, and life, the life, everlasting. life everlasting. And this is my sense, is in the last few hundred years, the church in time of waiting for Christ to return, has gotten complacent. We think he's coming, but we think he's coming sometime. Maybe not in our lifetime, but sometime, right? And, and so we don't view our reality or our bodies or even who we are as individuals in a in sense of identity in terms of the return of Christ. Uh, by analogy, uh, we have, in in the course of hist- church history, raised uh, Cubs fans and not Red Sox fans. You better, yeah, I better explain okay. what you mean with right, some charity right, right, right. here. Okay, okay. Now, n- no, dear listener, uh, whether you're a Cubs fan or not, uh, I love the friendly confines of Wrigley. That's where I really started to enjoy baseball in my college years, uh, which I didn't really enjoy baseball before that. Not not much. Um, so thanks to Mark Treadray, I came to love the Cubs. And then I married a Cubs fan too, so that helps. But when, when do typical Cubs fans believe the Cubs are going to win the World Series? Next year. <laughs> Next year, right? I was wondering year. where you were going to go with this. Now, go to a Red Sox fan. You find me a Boston, find me a Boston Red Sox fan, and you ask them, when are you guys going to win the series? And they'll tell you, this is our year. <laughs> this is our year. It doesn't matter if they're in last place. Their Red Sox fans are adamant that every year is their year to win the series. And I just, from my perspective... We as the church don't necessarily really think that Jesus could come back tomorrow or even today. And my my question is for our lives in the body. Yeah. Is in as a piece of speculation. Sure. I wonder whether that doesn't have something or a significant part to do with the fact of how relatively successful that we've been in the last few hundred years in caring for our bodies and in all things. the progress of yeah. the as it were the progress of the world and mortality rates are down life expectancies are up we we they were down until mm-hmm. covid well yeah we as a people have, have by and large come to believe that we can take care of ourselves and there's no problem the human can't solve, including and our own death. We're, we're generally speaking, in the West at least, healthier, wealthier. Not wiser. But not necessarily wiser. And I'm, you know, it's, it's some of the disconcerting thing goes that, that are 
concerning things that are going on in the world. Yeah. Put that relative progress in some peril. Uh, and that's that's not the that's not the topic of our at least in sharp relief yeah to the biblical worldview and, and and as much as we may not think that that's actually part of the purview of this conversation i think it actually is okay uh because how we view our bodies and our need to care for them whether that's through uh projecting how long we or not projecting, prolonging the length of the life of the body. Uh, it's it's not a confession that I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. It's a confession that this body of mine is my only chance to live, and I've got to make it last as long as I can. By whatever means possible, by whatever means possible or including how that may impact you somebody else future generations or this is my body i only live you only live once yolo mm-hmm. and so i'm going to enjoy to the most every bit of this life that i'm given now neither of these are new folks nope they're they're as ancient as the stoics and the epicureans and if you want more on that google it <laughs> sure. And this isn't the this isn't the, the framework for that. Uh but neither of those perspectives confess that we are created with a body, we are given a body to live in, and that body is meant for eternity with its creator. I'm gonna go back to something on page three here. Yeah. Where Dr. Kleinig writes most people see the spiritual as the opposite of the physical and the material. And thus the human spirit is identified either with the conscious mind and its thoughts, emotions, and self-awareness, or with the so-called immaterial soul, the disembodied spirit of every living person as such. It can exist and works best apart from the body. That's, um, you see that in recent Pixar film like soul. Yeah. You know, which is really based on kind of Eastern concepts of. Yeah. And to some degree on Plato, right? You have this, but generally, generally speaking, if we, if we acknowledge the soul in our culture, it is ethereal. It is out there and immaterial. Yeah. And, and can be separated from the body. And is. You know, and that's, well, that's, and that's how, that's how it's lived. The Christian confession of the human being, however, is that we are built as body and soul beings, embodied spirits. Yeah. And the coming of Jesus Christ, and, and we, though we experience the, the rendering, the separating of that by death, part of the promise of Christ is as you said earlier, yeah, is the redemption, the redemption of our, of our bodies, the reordering, the recapitulation, the recreation, the yeah. new creation. It, yeah. it, it's it's always struck me that that little chunk of Romans, right? The the we're waiting. Creation is groaning as in birth pains, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God, the redemption of our bodies. That that little phrase in there. It, Right about the time I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, I, that started making a whole lot more sense 
because the the redemption of our bodies means the reuniting or the perfecting of the unity of body and soul such that bodies live for eternity that they were met, we as human beings created in the garden of eden were meant for eternity we're going to get into this later and maybe this is a good place to just put a pin in it and leave you hanging a little uh but death is not the natural order of things as God created it. And that is a big contrast That's with the world. Huge. You know, I huge. mean, the Disney film, old or new, The Circle of Life, which which is a which is a religious belief yep. that there is an endless circle of death and life, and we don't know when it began, and we and it'll just keep going forever. The Christian faith, however, has a different message. Very different. Is that so-called circle gets interrupted. Yeah, there's no there's no hope in an endless there's literally no hope in an endless circle of life and death. And what the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead says, we're going to put an we're going to put a final end to this. Yeah. And I'm just the beginning. Yeah. And you get you get to be part of it, you in your body, get to be part of this. You in your body, get listen, to be, hear that, hear that, folks. You, I mean, this this is this is really important, and in a contrast, and we want you to join the conversation again. Doctor Kleinig's book, if you go back to the first episode in this, this is wonderfully made, a Protestant theology of the body, published in two thousand twenty one by Lexham Press, and we're just quoting from and discussing discussing this worth having in your library. It's not a book that you, you know, sit by the toilet and read. <laughs> you really gotta, it, it's You're not going to fly. It, it's it. like, it's like a, and we we've talked about this before. Wonderfully made is maybe likened to a multi-course French meal. Yeah. That if you take it a little bit at a time and enjoy each pieces, each, each part of the meal as it comes, it it grows and in in you re, you you rejoice in it. If you try and ram through it all like you're eating something at McDonald's, you're just gonna get uh, yeah. you know sick to yourself. So here's the rich bite for the end of this uh, bit, the end of this course. You, in your body, are meant for eternity. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. For show notes and other information about Christ in All Things, visit ChristInAllThings.org. Comments may be emailed to comments at ChristInAllThings.org. We're thankful to provide Christ in All Things to you as a gift. But it's not free to produce and distribute. So if you'd like to help us make Christ in All Things a self-supporting show and have a little fun in the process, please click the support page at ChristInAllThings.org. A donation of any kind gets you a dozen environmentally friendly Christ in All Things straws to share with your friends. Pastor Shockman loves these. That is so not true. You love those way too much and I still can't believe you bought them. A donation of $200 or more gets you some cheerful on-air clapping and a pair of Wisconsin-made wigwam hiking socks. 
A donation of $1,000 or more gets you thunderous on-air clapping and a handmade Christ in All Things leather folio by the Murdy Creative Company. If you want to donate more than that, well, fly us wherever you want, and we will record Christ in All Things at your chosen location. Within reason, of course. All post-production surplus supports Youth Ministry at St. Paul's. Thank you for your support. Christ in All Things is a production of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. For more information about St. Paul's, visit splco.org, email us at info at splco.org, or the old-fashioned way, give us a call, 262-567-5001. Intro and outro music, setting by Joseph Hurl. Copyright 1998, Concordia Publishing House, used with permission.